Hello, friends. I'm pleased to tell you that the Art of Fitness t-shirts are now up. If you go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com, it's the first thing you see. Just click on the image of the t-shirt and you could purchase one. It has the Art of Fitness logo and spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, not necessarily in that order, but you'll see it when you see it. Um, So those are available for purchase. And as always, Anytime you're doing any kind of Amazon shopping, if you go through my portal link on theartoffitnesspodcast.com, a percentage of anything you purchase will go directly in supporting this podcast. So please do that. And as always, if you go on iTunes, if you rate this, if you write a review, that helps me in some way that most people are still trying to explain to me. So please do that for me, and thanks. I'm Steve Serbis, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Serbis, and today I'll be talking to Alexis Johnson. Alexis is a 26-year-old PhD student at Rice University studying mathematics. She is also a soon-to-be two-times CrossFit Games competitor. Growing up in Michigan, Alexis was a competitive gymnast throughout her youth. In 2016, she took the CrossFit world by storm, having several publications exclaiming that Alexis was one of the top athletes to watch. The phrase major transformation is an understatement when describing Alexis. When she started CrossFit in just 2013, Alexis only weighed 88 pounds. In this episode, Alexis shares how she used fitness to dig herself out of a years-long battle with an eating disorder, how it manifested, how she conquered it, and how large a role CrossFit played in helping her do that. All right, friends, let's listen to my conversation with Alexis Johnson. Alexis. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Thank you for coming on The Art of Fitness. Not too much. Thank you very much for having me. So you just got done taking a French exam? (laughs) Yes. Can you say uh, something in French? Can you say the art of fitness in French? So what's funny is no. (laughs) I I can read French and math and translate or read math and French and translate it to English. (laughs) And that's about it. That's as far as my French goes. (laughs) It's funny because I had to take I had to take two years of of Spanish, two years of foreign language. I I chose Spanish in undergrad and uh and I was always on the dean's list, so I always got a pass-fail option in the SUNY system. And I only took uh, Spanish pass-fail, so I can't speak a word and I can't read a word either. So um, high five to not learning a foreign language. America. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're at Rice University. Yes. And I understand you're on campus right now, so if we hear people playing Frisbee golf or whatever, they're just in the background, right? Yeah, they play Quidditch as well. <laughs> that is so cool. I, I, my, um, my daughter, she's in preschool, but the the higher grades play Quidditch on their campus. <laughs> is is it pretty? What's the Quidditch game like at I'll Rice? I'll be honest, I haven't actually seen it, but I have heard that there's a club. <laughs> pretty serious, I I gather. Yeah. Um, and you are studying what? You're earning your PhD in what? In math. In math and. I read somewhere that you're specifically studying algebraic number theory, right? Correct, yes. Okay, here's my next question, Alexis. Oh, boy. What in the hell is algebraic number theory? <laughs> Talking from somebody who came from the arts. Okay, so um, I study a couple things. I study, you know, geometry, so curves, surfaces, um, things that are called manifolds, mm-hmm. and then... I also study algebra, which is, you know, what you think it is. It's equations that are written down, solve for x, and I study the relation between algebra and geometry. And then, so that's the algebraic geometry part of it. And then number theory is, you know, 
behavior of prime numbers is a lot of number theory. So, and it even comes, you know, it even includes cryptography. So how your information is encrypted online is a lot of number theory. So. Uh, I have to be honest. You lost me at <gasps> I, I study. <laughs> oh dang it! I hate no, that. No, this happens just, all the time. No, it's just my brain. It's my you you beautifully described it. It's just <laughs> um, you know I I don't know where math resides, whether it's on the right or left hemisphere of the brain, but w wherever it does, mine is broken. <laughs> so I apologize. That's um, okay. And how far along are you? So I'm in my. I just finished my fourth year of grad school. The program is generally between five and can be extended to six years. Wow, man. And and what do you plan on doing after when you're a doctor of um, <laughs> mathematics? Well, I started grad school for basically one reason. I really wanted to become a professor. I had a few professors that really influenced me when I was in undergrad and it's something that I think I would really enjoy the lifestyle and I like math a lot. so. This is where I ended up, and hopefully that's where I'll proceed. Yeah, man, fascinating. I mean, like I said, somebody who is absolutely um, dim-witted when it comes to mathematics, <laughs> I just have the highest respect for what it is you're studying, and I can't even imagine what that's like juggling um, a Ph.D. program of any sort, uh, let alone algebraic number theory and the other stuff that you're doing. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, <laughs> But uh, juggling that with being one of the fittest people in the world, um, how do you juggle that? <laughs> well, I, I tend to call this my real life, and then the other is the, the play and the fun. I, I started CrossFit for that reason. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I tried not to lose sight of that. Um, and to be honest, I just I treat CrossFit as something where I like to see myself getting better and better every day. There's a lot of days where I'll work for hours on math and end up just going in a big circle and end up at a lot of dead ends and I get nowhere. So it's nice to be able to go into the gym and measure progress day by day when sometimes math gets pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it's a nice release, I bet. Yeah, and it's also, you know, a lot of what I do for school is sedentary, so it's nice to be able to get in the gym and get some energy out. Yeah. Um, and Rice, Rice is in Houston, correct? Yep. You're from Michigan? <laughs> I am. When I applied to grad school, I only applied places where the weather remained <laughs> over about 40 degrees <laughs> all I hear you. year. <laughs> I, I, I'm on the other lake. So, so I, I grew up near Buffalo, near, near Lake, uh, on the other side of Lake Erie. And uh, yeah, it, it sucks. Right? Yep. Um, the, the weather. So right now you're in Texas. How long have you been in Texas? So I've been in Texas since August 2013. So going on four years now. Now, what is the major difference aside from weather between Michigan and Texas? <laughs> well, Houston's a little different. It's not quite as southern as I guess I expected. There's a lot of people from all over just because it's a major oil and gas city. So to be honest, I don't culturally I don't know that there's a huge difference in the people. This is not it's nothing too crazy. Everyone's pretty nice, but definitely the weather is the largest difference. <laughs> um, let me let me switch gears here. Let me ask you this: When did you uh, realize that you had a, a deathly phobia of cotton balls? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! How, how, do, uh, how does one stumble across that, and uh, what is that all about? How did you come to realize that cotton if, balls freak you out? Well, first, I just can't stand touching them. Yeah. Like, if there's a cotton ball that I have to move, like the one you have to remove to take medicine out, yeah, I won't take the medicine. I like it takes me like 18 tries to pinch the cotton ball out. Even if I try to pinch it with tweezers, I can't stand that feeling of the crunchiness. What does it do to you physically? It gives me goosebumps and the chills, and like I literally just grab at it like 18 times, trying not to feel the crunchiness before I finally am able to get the cotton ball out of the medicine container. You know, I, I'm I'm asking this because I have a similar thing with fleece, with soft okay. fleece. So okay. like a fleece blanket, completely freaks me out. I d I don't have a fear of it. 
However, when I touch it, it does something where I like, I, I don't know, I can't even describe it, but it's like my throat closes up <laughs> and, exactly. and I'm like, Egh. It's yeah. to the point where I can't really look at cotton balls without getting this feeling. That's why I kind of call it more of a fear. I, I, don't, I don't really know how to classify it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do some research on that to decide <laughs> what the hell that's all about, um, evolutionarily speaking. Um, all right, Alexis, here's something that I really want to discuss. Um, let's get a little serious here because, you know, I just, I, I just, I recently did a, um, an interview with Val Vobrill, and Val shared with me that she had struggled with an eating disorder for 10 years, and she did this in solitude. And I know that you're pretty vocal and and um, pretty public about the fact that you also were struggling with an eating disorder for for h- how long? I think it's about four years, I would say. Four years. So, you know, first of all, thank thank you for being so candid um, with your with your experience and. Um, and you sent me a photo, your before and after shot, which is just miraculous what you've done. And, um, but I want to I wanna talk about it because I think that often, you know, when, when people find themselves in situations like this, they might not realize that they have a problem at first, you know? And w- what I want to know is when did this start? H- how did this start for you? Um, I know that it lasted for a while, but... But when, when did your habits change to become something that was obsessive? How did, how did it manifest? So I think it's a little bit unique because I never have ever struggled with body image issues. Mm-hmm. And I get that question from people, from people a lot. And they ask me, you know, how did you get over your body changes? And it's, it's a tough question for me because I... I can understand where that comes from, but I also have never struggled with that. Um, So my eating disorder was definitely more of an obsessive thing. I did gymnastics for my entire life growing up. Mm. I was always exactly the same weight. I never cared about my weight. I ate pizza and ice cream sundaes and my favorite food. You know, I ate Swiss cake rolls, zebra cakes, Mm -hmm. cinnamon rolls for breakfast, like terribly. And it didn't matter. I always look the same, always weighed the same. And, and then I, um, I was also doing gymnastics every single day or at least coaching or I was in the gym every day except for Sunday. And then when all of that ended and I went to college, my body was pretty much done with gymnastics. My joints hurt. I ached. Um, but I also didn't know what else to do with myself. So the first year of college is great. You know, you're, I lived in the dorm with a thousand different people. Um, there was so much going on. Not a lot of downtime. And, you know, of course, college is new, so I'm just exper- I'm trying to, you know, I was very into my classes, that kind of thing. Second year rolled around, and I only lived with f- four people at the time. Well, just one was a good friend of mine. There became a good friend of mine, but um, there wasn't too much else going on. And... For someone who is used to, sorry, that's a plane going by, and you can probably hear it. Hold for plane. All right. Um, so for someone who is used to being in the gym all the time and constantly working towards a goal, like a new skill, I started to feel like something was really missing. Uh, I, like through school, I ended up with a 396 GPA. Like I got good grades through all of college. That wasn't an issue. Um, but I just there were some family things going on. I got pretty depressed, had a lot of time to sit around and think about that. And I didn't have something I was always working for every day, something that I could measure my progress in day after day after day like I was used to. So I think with that missing, I felt I filled the void with something that I could have progress with every day. And that was obsessing over eating healthy for some reason. I, you know, so, all of a sudden, I remember over Christmas break, I went home and I decided I was going to start eating healthy, which is fine. That's awesome. I, I probably needed it because I had eaten so terribly all of my life. Right. Um, but I 
took it to the max and I didn't let any, I never slipped, nothing. And after a while, that became a very obsessive personality trait and something that I thought about all the time. So and when you, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you say that you decided to eat healthy, um, was this your version of what healthy was <laughs> or, or was it like, I'm only going to eat healthy. So if I don't have any health, healthy options, I'm just not going to. Well, that's what it became. Like at first that was not, it, it definitely became that over, you know, months and months. But at first it was just cook some healthy meals, freeze them to prep, um, you know, so that I can have some healthy dinners. I would still eat random unhealthy meals. I was still eating cafeteria food at times, and mm -hmm. it was not a big deal. I was just, um, but for some reason over time it developed into something much stricter than that. Mm -hmm. And when, when, when you say that it developed into something much stricter, I think at, at your lightest, right, you were like, what, you were 80-something pounds, 88 correct? pounds, I would say. I, I t honestly, I didn't start weighing myself every day until there was a severe concern over how small I had gotten. Yeah. Um, like, honestly, it was a completely separate issue from a weight issue. I didn't weigh myself at all. Right. I just watched myself get smaller, and I hated it. Um, and after I got, my dad started being, being very concerned about me. So I ended up having to weigh myself every day. So that's when I know I was definitely 88 at one point. So was it like, you know, I'm, I'm eating this stuff. W w did you ever wonder, you know, why am I getting smaller? I'm, I'm eating <laughs> healthy. Why, what's going on? I mean. No, I knew I wasn't eating enough because it was an obsessive thing where I, like, if there wasn't a healthy option, I wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like. The, when I say healthy, like, it became a very, healthy became very calorie restricted. Like, I mean, it was not healthy by any means. <laughs> right. This is, this is what I was hoping you would get to. So how, how much were you eating to, to reach 88 pounds? I mean, to be honest, I don't exactly, like, I don't know a calorie count by any means. Yeah. Um, I would still eat till I was full, but it was a lot of vegetables and... Um, like fibrous greens. Yeah. <laughs> things that have no calories in them whatsoever. Yeah, like I didn't, like I, it was, a, it's a, that's why I explained it's a very different kind of eating disorder. It was so obsessively driven. I don't, I didn't count calories. Right. I just definitely didn't consume enough of them. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. And then, and then you woke up and then what? You woke up one day and just said, and, and flipped it. Like, you know, that time you went home for Christmas and you just said, dude, this is, this is an issue. How, how did so, that come? I mean, I knew for a long time it was an issue. And it definitely wasn't as easy as just flipping a switch. Uh -huh. um, I had tried multiple times. You know, like I would, I was so upset at myself that every day I had been, I was overcome by this obsessiveness. And I didn't like my life every day. I wanted to change it. But I just felt like I I didn't have enough control. I don't I don't exactly know how to explain it. I felt so overcome by this. This was who I was right. and I didn't you know, I knew how to change it, but I felt like I couldn't. I I, I don't know. And um to be honest, I would even wake up every morning and be like, All right, these are gonna this is gonna change. And then at night, I'd be like, oh, my God, it didn't change. And the next day, it would be the same thing. <laughs> and um, I guess my senior year of college, I found CrossFit. And I tried it a few times. I tried it when I went home for break. And I enjoyed it a lot. But again, I wasn't eating enough to have enough energy in the gym. And even though I was like, all right, these things have got to change. you got to go to the gym today. Like, awesome, eat. And like... I just couldn't bring myself to do it, and I couldn't bring myself to eat anything that I hadn't been eating before. It just, it, it made me, it made my heart pound, it gave me anxiety, it was so weird. I, like, it just makes, it makes me laugh, the fact that I went through this and I couldn't change it. Um, it's such an uncontrollable feeling, and it sucks. Um, anyways, I...
continue to CrossFit a little bit, a couple times a week, maybe through college, through that second semester of my senior year. And but again, I I would row 500 and sorry about that. I would row 500 meters and I couldn't do much more. And I really wanted to get stronger. Like I looked at people around there getting stronger and getting fitter, and it seemed awesome. Uh, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm -hmm. I stopped crossfitting and went to Budapest, Hungary for six months. I came back in January of 2013 and said, screw it. I'm sick of dealing with this. I can't deal with this anymore. I've been empty for the past four years. I haven't been who I actually am. I need to change this. And that took every day waking up and forcing myself to do things that I didn't want to do, you know, forcing myself to eat things I didn't want to eat. Um, you know, for a while there was a lot of anxiety involved in it, but I would, my, my motivation was the fact that I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to get into that gym and be able to get better. And I forced myself to go out to eat with people from the gym. And I wanted them to not notice that I was different. And so I wanted to be normal. I wanted to eat normally. And even though like that step of being like, yeah, let's go out to eat or inviting people to go out to eat. That was it made me sick to my stomach to do that. Um, But that's how I got better. It was just by force, forcing myself to do those things. So, so what happened in Budapest, man? Oh, you went went to Budapest. The same thing, the same thing that happened here. I mean, like, it's that thing of you can't, you know, even if you put yourself in a completely different situation, you're still going through what you're going through internally. Take it with you. That happens to so many people I've, that I run into, you know. They are going through something and it just feels like, okay, I just need to be in a new environment. I'll be a new me. And that's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it takes a lot more than that. It may help. Um, I can't say it wouldn't help because, you know, I moved home and met a bunch of new people. And that's, I kind of use that as fuel. Yeah. To change when I met these new people, I wanted them to not think I was different. You know, I wanted to be normal around them, which I think definitely helped. But I, you know, it took me using that as motiv- motivation. You can't just move somewhere new and expect things to change. So, Alexis, let me let me get this straight. So, <laughs> you you broke this cycle on your own with with no help. Is is that correct? Yeah, I never saw a therapist. I'm a very black and white person, and I don't, I don't know. It was suggested to me that I go see a therapist, but I, when I had seen one before in the the past, I didn't, I got, I didn't enjoy talking to them. I didn't get much out of talking to them. It felt like a fake conversation to me. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm an an a-hole of a person sometimes. I'm very black (laughs) and white. I'm very judgmental. I'm, you know, to situations, I <laughs> I don't want to sound like I definitely think therapy is super helpful. And um, it was recommended to me. And I know a lot of people that it has helped. I just. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm astounded. I'm astounded that, you know, I mean, this is, you know, this isn't like this isn't like, uh, you know, you develop a. I, I, I don't even know what to equate it to, but it's it's like you just did this all by yourself. And holy cow, that's incredible. I mean, you went from you went from 88 pounds to, you know, just saying, I'm going to s- screw it. I'm going to change yeah. this. And you just did by it, willpower. <laughs> but I got to 88 pounds by willpower as well. Th- that's <laughs> that's true. I'll, I'll be that's honest. That's true. I gained probably 40 pounds in the first three, four months. Oh, my God. Um, and it took a lot of me just saying, like, who cares? You're, it, through all of this, you're going to get stronger. And honestly, like, who cares if you I, – I didn't care what it looked like. I didn't care – I, I knew for a fact I, I could get it back off if I really wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, right. But but that wasn't the point. The that point wasn't was, the issue to start with anyway. Right, right. right. And it, so, yeah, it, 
it just took a lot of, you know, don't look back. Make this decision and don't look back. Every single day, you need to be working towards fighting what you're going through. You can't, you can't go back a single day because one day back and you'll be, you'll be back at square one. Jesus, Alexis, it's like, you know, I just want to say it again that you did the, you know, you're an anomaly, right? <laughs> yes, I, I, mean, I probably should have asked for help as well. <laughs> I, I mean, to do this, just deciding and doing it on your own and having the willpower and the tenacity to just say, you know, I'm going to change this and to just do that work every single day and heal yourself is... Um, by yourself is incredible. Not only that, not, not even seeing a therapist, right? Which, I mean, th thank you for sharing how important you feel that is in hindsight, but a nutritionist, I mean, somebody to help you along and, you know, you just did it on your own. That's incredible, man. That is incredible. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the thing about the nutritionist that makes me hesitant is it was a control thing. Yeah. And so having having someone else to put, you know, to put maybe to overcome this control with a different set of controls, controls maybe wasn't the way to go about it, at least for me. It needed to be something that was a little more freeing. Yeah, but man, it's like to have the the wherewithal and to have the awareness to know that when you're, you know, when when you're sick is <laughs> is also incredible dude holy shit wow well thank um, you yeah no i had no idea that you did this all by yourself that's incredible and then so but you didn't do it by yourself right, right? yeah i don't I, mean, I don't want you to say that i did it by myself i no. definitely you know you had a support system yeah and even just it's the community of crossfit's awesome you know yeah just these people that i met that helped me overcome so much and i don't you know know that they knew what they were doing at the time maybe they did um and obviously my family was there for me the entire time yeah um, they were worried sick and they didn't like seeing me go through what i was going through i wasn't the same person anymore um so to, i didn't do it by myself in that sense right right and but you know you found a community you found a community in CrossFit that, you know, you um, you redirected your focus to something that was actually healthy, and um, and it didn't take you long. <laughs> it didn't take you long at all to go from um, eighty-eight pounds and um, and and suffering, you know, to going to the goddamn CrossFit games. <laughs> How long did it take? What? So, um, 13, actually, three years. So in January 13 is when I decided to start CrossFitting every day, well, most days, and decided to actually start eating health, eating correctly. Yeah. And um, the following, so a year and a couple months from that is when I qualified for my first regional. And I want to emphasize to people that even after a year and a few months, and I was going to regionals, mind you, I was still struggling every day. Mm. I was still having to, I remember waking up and thinking, okay, you have to fuel yourself now because you're going to go compete on a regional floor. Don't be an idiot. And I remember, you know, I was still fighting that obsessiveness even that long after. You know, it was something I dealt with for three, four years. If you've been dealing with it for even longer than that, I can't imagine how long it would take to get over this. It took me, you know, I, I can still remember when I first woke up and, you know, I went a whole day without thinking about the obsessiveness, without thinking about the obsessions. Um, I went to bed that night and I was like, holy shit, seriously, I made it through a whole day and didn't once feel overwhelmed with anxiety about that. It was the most freeing thing ever. And of course, the next day was not the same. <laughs> but, right. yeah. but, you know, those, those days where I got through an entire day without thinking of it became more and more frequent. And it's something I don't struggle with anymore. So. Wow, man. Well, congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and now, yet last year, so three years to go to the CrossFit Games, incredible. 
16, 2016 was your rookie year, and now you're going back. <laughs> yes, <right>? I am. <laughs> and before we get into the questionnaire, um, you know, I just want to thank you again for sharing. And, um, and also, I want to s- ask you this question. So you go to the CrossFit Games for the first time. How did it feel? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's something that you can't, and at least I could not picture myself being there and picture myself in the situation bef- until I actually was in it. And um, I'm excited for this year when I'll be able to visualize myself going through these things before I actually go through them. Right. I just remember being wide-eyed and, holy crap, wow. Wait, they're really? Really? Like, you know, there's so many of those moments. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't don't know how to explain it. And and now that you're going back, how does it feel to be a repeat? Um, it feels awesome. It, it. You know, oh, this truck, come on, drive by a little faster. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, confer- it's confirming that I belong there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's something that I do CrossFit because I like to measure my progress each and every day you know, against myself every day. Right. And it's awesome to know that I'm still getting better. Yeah. I I learned a lot this past year, and I changed a lot of things. So it's awesome to know that even though I did things a little differently, I was still able to make it back. Uh Uh-huh. What, what's, what's, give me, just give me one thing. What, 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 what was the major change this year? Well, um, leading up to the games last year, I overtrained excessively and ended up with severe tendonitis in both my knees where I took three months off of CrossFit and just did rehab. Wow. Um, and then it's something that I'll probably deal with for a long time now. So I had to be very careful with the volume of training. So... Mm -hmm. This year, my training looked a lot different in terms of volume and in terms of how often I could do certain movements. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, great. Okay, well, thanks for that. Thanks for that conversation. Alexis, are you ready to do this questionnaire? I am. Okay, section one, the physical. <laughs> how, many, how many meals do you consume in a day? To, to be honest, it completely just depends on the day. I'm not a huge fan of breakfast, so for a couple hours it takes me my stomach a little while, but um, probably three to five, just depending on if you, how big the meals you count are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in percentages of fat, protein, carbs, what's your macronutrient breakdown, or do you decide not to, not to deal with that anymore? You know, as much as I do believe that it would help me if I did, I have to stay away from that and yeah. I can't I I can't reintroduce that into my life <laughs> no absolutely and um you know you're you're doing just fine without it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um how much time do you take between eating and training it completely depends on what the meal is I can eat in the middle of training if it's something that's pretty plain really um yeah if it's like a protein bar or a shake or something I can eat while I train my, but if it's something that's heavily spiced, I can guarantee you, <laughs> if, even if I train two hours after that, it's coming up. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I stick to plain food throughout the day. Yep. All right. And how often do you train in a day? I mean, right now. So I'm, I'm assuming that your year changes. You're, yeah. you, you train Misfit, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I follow the Misfit programming to a T during the year and I try to stick to about one training session a day it's just it's easier on my body Um, as we're training for the games it looks a little bit different I've got some cardio sessions that I try to knock out early in the day and maybe add a lift immediately following it Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll spend some time doing a little more school work and then I'll go back to the gym and hit the other pieces 
All right. And so when, when you say hit the other pieces, what does a typical training day for you look like? So you say cardio in the morning. What, what yeah, is that? Yeah, so when I say that, it's like 30 to 45 minutes of running, biking, rowing, that kind of thing. All and right. then a lift maybe, just depending on how I feel. And then um, in the evening, those are more of the Metcons. So usually two Metcons and another like barbell cycling or something. All right, cool. Um, section two, you ready? Yeah. The mental. <laughs> How would you describe your state of mind while training? So I try to keep it pretty competitive and fun. Uh, we're in a big group, a big Facebook group, and Travis and I talk a lot of crap. We talk a lot of smack <laughs> to one another, and you know we're always comparing scores, which I en- I enjoy a lot. We we. You know, even if it's something that he's probably definitely going to beat me in or I'm definitely going to beat him in, we both, are, you know, say we're going to beat each other, and it's awesome. And when you say Travis, you're talking about Travis Williams. Uh, Travis Williams, yeah. He, so he lived in Houston for a little while, and he's, he's, he's not in the area right now. It's killing me. But, um, yeah, we train together. We compete, do the same workouts all the time. So, you, know, yeah. you know, it's really interesting because when I, when I was prepping for our talk today, um, I thought of Travis Williams a lot. And then I, because I've done an, I've done an interview with Travis. He's, he's done an episode. And, um, oh, okay. and I thought, wow, this, this is similar. Her story is similar <laughs> and not, not unlike uh, the same type of dude that Travis Williams is, and I just found it so funny because then I saw you guys training together. I'm like, well, that makes total sense. Yeah, we're good buddies. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, and he is a bit of a shit talker, he told me. Very much so. It doesn't yeah. matter who he's talking to. He would talk shit to Rich Froning. <laughs> he's a cool dude. Um, yeah. If you could liken your mental state in competition – to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be and why? I'm going to give you a nerdy answer. Great. That substance called oobleck, the, the one that's not a liquid or a solid, you probably played with it in middle school or something where if you hit it really hard, it acts like a solid. Okay. But if you just let it sit in your hand, it'll actually melt through the palm of your hand. Um, kind of like a, it's like a silly putty, but a little bit, I mean, a silly putty would actually be considered an oobleck. It's generally what I'm thinking of as a consistency a little bit softer than that. So why I say that is because, you know, I'm a nervous wreck. I have, you know, a kajillion things going on in my head, but I'm trying my best to keep it together the entire time. And, you know, when the actual task is in front of me, like when, the, when you hit it with a hammer, it actually stays t- tough and stays together. So. Oh, that's great. Um, Ooblek. Excellent. Yep. O-O-B-L-E-C-K. All right. Imagine this scenario, Ublek. Uh You are holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via a zip line. It requires one of your hands to hold on with. What do you put down and what do you take with you? The baby or the vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need? Who is the loved one in need? Mm. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to try anything to get out of this question. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know how I'll answer this question. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the baby's grip strength is strong enough to hold the cooler. <laughs> All right. So you're trying to figure out a way to get them both across. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, what if it was, what, what if the loved one in need was, say, your... The, the most important person in your life. And let's just say this. <laughs> You're not going to let me get out of this. <laughs> let's just say that the baby is the most important person in your life's baby. Oh, man. How's that for making it hard? Well, then clearly it's got to be, I got to say the baby. Because if I lose the baby, then the most important person in my life is going to be absolutely devastated forever. And I would probably just rather spare them that. You're a mathematician. That's, that's not fair. Okay. A news well, broadcast. I mean, 
<laughs> you gave me an option to ruin two lives or ruin one. <laughs> That's right. Find X. Um, all right. So a news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our, our moon. Although officials have known about it for some time, the asteroid is predicted to strike within 24 hours. It'll meet a certain end for our planet. How do you spend your last 24 hours? That is a tough question, and it shouldn't be, right? We should be able to tell you immediately how we would spend this 24 hours. Um, You know, now that I've been away from my family for quite a while now, I haven't lived at home for, you know, nine years, I would say. Um, I would definitely fly home and spend time with my family. I don't get to go home nearly as much as I'd like, and every time I do, I wish there was just more time in the world to spend there. I am very close with my family, and I enjoy, I would, you know, they're my best friends. I enjoy all my time that I spend with them, so I'd go there. Awesome. This next one's a two-part question. When is it essential to lie, and when is it deplorable to tell the truth? Technically, it's probably never essential to lie. Um, you can probably always not lie. Um, but when is it deplorable to tell the truth? Hmm. Well, okay, I've got an example for you. Like, what if someone else's child comes up and asks you if Santa Claus is real? Well, I have two children, so I know that Santa Claus is absolutely real. Right, exactly. So, exactly. I, under- I understand where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> next next question. Who, <laughs> who in history, real or fiction, would you describe as resilient and why? I was actually just talking about something very similar. Um, and it's it relates. It's my, you know, every time I sit down to do work for math, it seems like, 80% of the time I just get to dead ends and five hours of work seems like it's gotten me nowhere and I've just learned, learned everything that, you know, didn't, didn't work. And so I would say Thomas Edison because he has that awesome quote that says, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. Um, I can really relate to that and, you know, that really demonstrates resiliency to me. Yeah. I mean, well, I got to tell you something here. As hearing your story, um, you're pretty goddamn resilient. <laughs> to, uh, thank you so much. To do what you've done on your own. So, um, you know, that's the Thomas Edison in you. <laughs> thank you very much. Section three, the emotional. Oh, boy. That is yeah. not what describes me. <laughs> These are going right. to be the hardest questions for me. That's fine. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy listening to you struggle with them. <laughs> what is your idea of perfect happiness? Okay. Maybe that one's not so bad, but I'm going to give you a very black and white answer, I guess. Um, just waking up every day and loving what you do, you know, being able to appreciate just the little things in every day. I know there were, you know, so many days in my life when I was struggling with an eating disorder that I woke up and everything just seemed dull and overcast and terrible. Um, So yeah, just waking up and enjoying every day. Great. What is the opposite of fear? Comfort. Okay. Finish this sentence for me. <laughs> Love is strong. It can make you do things that you wouldn't think you'd usually do. Awesome. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Hmm. Um, well, I like to know everything that's going on around me all at once. Okay. So sometimes that makes me very unfocused and, you know, a little, I hate to use the word spacey at times, but it's definitely true. I am so caught up in figuring out everything that's going on that I have a hard time focusing on the task at hand, even if one of those tasks is 
definitely more important than the others. Wow. I, I, I just have to tell you that, uh, you know, hearing that answer, I, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when do it, you exp go ahead, please. Maybe that's, you know, it's, a, it's definitely more of a finite time kind of thing. Uh, like at least in, in the moment, that's something that I struggle with. I wouldn't describe that as something that I struggle with in terms of long-term goals. Okay. When do you experience sadness? Um, when I feel like I've disappointed someone. All right. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I, okay, here we go. When um, I recently did a competition in January, and it was called Fittest Games, and throughout all of CrossFit, nothing has gone extremely wrong. You know, I've gotten injured here and there, but nothing was has been immediately and completely taken me off guard, caught me off guard. At Fittest Games, I was in the middle of the second workout, and this was a competition that I was went in pretty confident in. I had won the previous two years, and I knew there were really good athletes there, but I still was pretty confident in my ability. And in the middle of the second workout, I finished it, and I couldn't pick up my grips off the floor. I ended up severely hurting my back. I couldn't, I could barely walk. The, for the next few days and I had to pull out of the competition and it was something that I had gotten so used to things going right yeah and I you know confidence was something I struggled with for a while and it, I had finally become very very confident in my abilities and all of a sudden it was a huge reality check so what happened physically what happened to you did it just seize up did you go into spasm no um well there's some people that think you know, I may have had a small herniation that I went back, got back, went back into place when I spent some time and on my, you know, in uh, extension, mm -hmm. laying on my stomach, or I sprained my SI joint. Mm -hmm. uh, it was maybe doubtful in some minds that I would be able to compete this season for a while. Wow. And it, yeah, there are people that are pretty surprised that I'm actually back and competing <laughs> so so you're dealing with no pain right now yeah i you know there's some management that goes on to make sure that i have some back issues that i didn't deal with before mm -hmm. but nothing that bothers me on a day-to-day -day basis by any means so just ma making sure that you're doing like anterior chain maintenance and uh, understanding War that warming up my back properly uh -huh. like i said <laughs> um so I guess leading up to that workout, I definitely didn't warm up well enough, and I felt something funny in my back during warm-up, and I completely ignored it because nothing had ever gone severely wrong before. Right. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably, you know, I needed a reality check, to be honest. So. All right, good. What word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? Oh, boy. Oh, well, I don't like when people don't put their 100% effort into something. So maybe for a silly example, when I'm doing a workout with someone, I don't like when they stop working out to cheer me on. <laughs> it actually demotivates me. I'd rather see you next to me working your ass off and trying to get better. Right. Okay, great. Section four, final section, the spiritual. Mm -hmm. What is your definition of the spirit? I would say that it's the part of the Holy Trinity that lies in me and it guides me in my attitudes and actions. Fantastic. What happens to us when our bodies die? Are you talking about our physical body? I'm talking about whatever that question inspires in you. Okay. I, will, I can tell you mine will be cremated. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't so, know. I, I think your physical body is just done. All right. Oh, sorry about that. And what, um, name one event in your life 
that you can most closely describe as a miracle? For now, I would say being bo me being born is the most miraculous thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, when do you feel most connected with creation? I would say when I'm laying outside by a body of water, a lake or something, something calming. Water does it. Yeah, I grew up on a lake and I just really enjoyed time just sitting out there. So, Are you in a place, I've never been to Houston, but are you in a place where you can see some water? <laughs> you can see some dirty water if you drive about an hour to Galveston. <laughs> um, there are some man-made lakes and if you drive east, you can get to some water, but nothing too easily. What is the thing for you that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth? I have no idea. Great. <laughs> I have no clue how to answer that at all. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's, I mean, that's an answer. So, um, final question. Okay. When do you feel, why do you feel you were put on this earth? Um, I feel like I was, I'm here to inspire other people to be positive, to, um, to constantly try to have a positive outlook on things and be unaffected by things that are out of their control. Mm. That's yeah. great. That's great. Ale uh, Alexis, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and how can the audience connect with you? Um, you're, you're leading up to the CrossFit Games, your repeat by the way. Um, how do we connect with you? Do you have a, I don't know, do you have a GoFundMe page or something like that? I don't currently have a GoFundMe page, but if you want to help out with my trip to the games, you can buy a shirt on the Misfit shopping website, Sharpen the Axe. Great. Um, or you can also get in contact with me on Instagram. My Instagram is mf underscore mathlete, M-A-T-H-L-E-T-E. <laughs> <laughs> You're yep. a mathlete. I love it. All yes. right. And do you have, other than the CrossFit Games, do you have anything coming up that people can come and check you out or anything else that's important to you right now that you want to share? Right now, big events. It's looking like just the CrossFit Games and staying busy with school. Great. And before you go, um, some parting words for the audience. Can you plant a seed of inspiration before we say goodbye? Yeah, um, you know, in everything I've done, I think it's just focusing on each day and working towards a long-term goal each day and making sure you, when you go to bed at night, you can answer the question, what did I do today to, to further that? That's great. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on The Art of Fitness. You, um, you know, you are the the quintessential picture of, of tenacity, um, of resiliency, and the fact that you've overcome so much in your young life um, by, by sure, sheer will is, um, is something that I really, really admire in you. And uh, thanks for coming on. And it's been a pleasure, Alexis. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. Okay, good luck at the CrossFit Games. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot. No,